Welcome to the latest episode of Aerospace Radio Station Extended. But the proof of how he was viewed from his command of Rossimouth is the fact he didn't make Rear Admiral. One of the things about the 206 is you get all of the comments from all the senior officers. Not a team player um, is, the main, is the main thing. And we shouldn't expect that. After all, you know, he was a test pilot. The test pilots are not team players because they survive by being their own man in the yeah. air. Your aerospace radio station. Hello and welcome to Aviation Extended. I'm your host, Tim Robinson, and uh, we've been trying to get him on uh, get him on Extended for a while now and absolutely thrilled that he is joining us to talk about Winkle, the extraordinary life of Britain's greatest pilot, which has to be has to be one of the aviation books of last year. Uh, joining us uh, today, we have Paul Beaver, aviation historian, commentator, aviation journalist, Spitfire pilot, Army Air Corps reservist. Have I, have I left anything out? Oh, a million things, Tim. But, uh, <laughs> but then, when you get to my age, you've got all these uh, all these things. I'm also the um, a trustee of the National Spitfire Project, so hence the Spitfire bits are close to my heart, and I think would have been close to Eric's heart as he flew. 14 different marks of Spitfire and every mark of Seafire. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Paul, a very warm welcome to Extended Indeed. Um, for those who have been, uh, for those uh, people listening to this podcast who have been living under a rock uh, and unaware of Captain Eng- Eric Winkle Brown, his achievements, undoubtedly Britain's greatest pilot, test pilot. Um, more aircraft fl- types flow than anyone else, anyone else, more carrier landings, first jet aircraft on an aircraft carrier and past president of the Royal Aeronautical Society and, and someone who um, myself and Paul have been lucky enough to, to, to meet and know in, 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 in person. And Paul, you've got a, a deep friendship with him. So I suppose we'd, we'd sort of better sort of start off with an introduction, your, your background. And how did you meet Eric in the first place? Well, I knew Eric for, for about 40 years, actually. I first met him in 1978. Um, I was writing my first book, it seems a million years ago now, um, it was on HMS Art Royal. And uh, I came across a reference to the P-1154, the supersonic carrier, if you like. And so I wrote to, well, actually, I wrote to the Fleet Air Monsters Association. And they said, uh, Eric Brown is your man. So um, I wrote to Eric. They, in those days, pre-GDPR, you just handed over an address and number you know um so i wrote to eric and said <clears throat> you know can you tell me why we didn't adopt p1154 because at the time he was deputy director of naval aviation in the mod when it was being mooted and he was planning the air group for the new carrier cva01 so he was absolutely in the center of it um, and he called me he must have got the letter i don't know nine o'clock post he called me about half past nine and said um Dear boy, um, it's too long to go into a letter. I'll come to lunch Sunday at 12.30. Don't be late. Um, and that was it. 40 years later, I remember was there in the hospital uh, when he sadly passed. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's the sort of relationship. I, his last orders to me were uh, go and get my address book out, um, get my calendar out, and just call everyone and tell them I'm going to be a, a month or so. Um, uh, before I'm able to uh, come and see them, and that was about six hours before he passed. So, right, um, yeah. So, yeah, I knew him, um, and in all his manifestations, because the wonderful thing, Tim, about Eric Brown, Winkle Brown, was 
it wasn't about aeroplanes. It was about the man. I mean, in the in the biography, I tried. And by the way, you missed the fact that it's biography of the year, according to the Daily Mail. <laughs> uh, and um, it's uh, it's just had its fifth reprint. So wow. uh, in six months, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but it's um, it's very much Eric. Eric goes through phases in his life, and I've tried to capture that in the autobiography. Um, he's the sort of the lost boy because despite the fact he wrote an autobiography, or rather he didn't, because we discover afterwards the autobiography is written by Kenneth Pullman. Um, and looking at my bookshelf, I've got a few Kenneth Pullman books up there from the 1960s. Um, he was the Admiralty um, uh, author. So he wrote sort of standard works like escort carriers and things like that. Um, but I think the interesting thing about Eric is he went through Lost Boy to fight yeah. a pilot, um, to diplomat, to being completely lost again as a squadron commander. He was rubbish as a squadron commander because um, he was brilliant as a test pilot. He was yeah. a singleton. You know, he, he, he could do everything himself. Um, and we had so many anecdotes in the book, uh, some of which we've had to take out. We took 30,000 words out of the book, would you believe? So wow. um, if, I, if I show you the book there, that's, that's about 544 pages. Um, we had to take 30% out because I think really the lawyers thought that uh, um, if an American dropped him on, on its uh, dropped on his foot, it would break a, uh, a toe and we'd all get sued. Um, I, Americans. Um, but um, we, what we did was took a lot of the information and put 100 illustrations in. Uh, and I was able to find out all sorts of things I didn't know before. Um, yeah. I didn't know he was the first person to land a tricycle undercarriage aircraft. We know about the Mosquito, the twin engine. We know about the Vampire, the, the jet. Um, first turboprop on a, on, on a, on a deck, um, a Meteor with turboprop engines. Um, you know, all of these things. Do you know it was an Air Cobra was the first tricycle um, undercarriage aircraft to land on the deck of an aircraft carrier? Who knew that? And of and course, that, that, was, that was his personal hack, wasn't it? It was. It was one yeah, of yeah. the aircraft that um, 601. And, you know, I always glad <laughs> that you can see behind I have a group captain's pennant. I'm an honorary group captain, 601 squadron. Um, they didn't like the aeroplanes. Most of them went to Russia except one. And that went to RAE, and Eric adopted it. He really loved it, right until the time the technical rep from Bell came and said, this aircraft is so unairworthy, we cannot have it in flying anymore. And he had to stop flying it. But he flew it around Germany and Austria in May, June, and July 1945. Um, you know, um, so something, something classed as not airworthy, and Eric landed on a carrier. Yes, <laughs> Um, um, did he, there are did some he, things like that, but Tim, sorry, you asked me some questions. Well, um, so I, I was going to say, was the, were the people pre pressing him? Were there other aviation authors pressing him in the time you knew him over the over those the forty years? Were, were there people constantly badgering him, saying, hmm. "Yeah, uh, you know, uh, why haven't you written a, 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 an update?" I mean, he's he's written other books like you know, "Wings of the Weird and Wonderful," but were there, were, was he was he fending off lots of? Was he were you were you pressing no. him in before? Um, he didn't actually have, would you believe it, nobody approached him to write his biography. I think because they all thought Wings on My Sleeve was was it. Um, and, of course, I've got all the notes from um, Weird and Wonderful Naval Aviation and all those. Um, I've got the illustrations. I've got 12 boxes of notes. Um, I've got... Um, I've got charts. I've got some of his charts that um, uh, when he was test flying, he used to fly with. Um, you know, the, the, I've got the drums that he played in the Glenn Miller band. Um, I've got his number plates from when he was a diplomat in um, wow. 1967, uh, 65, 66, 67 in Bonn. Um, a lot of stuff. He kept everything. He also kept a copy of every letter he wrote from about 1980 onwards. Wow. And all the letters that came in. So all of it's really weird to find my own letter there <laughs> in the collection and his response um, to it. I looked at my signature and thought, that's a really weak, immature signature in 1978. But... Um, uh, that was really weird, and that was that was that was jolly good. And I found lots of I had his passports, um, his driving licenses, <clears throat> excuse me, his uh, school reports, um, or you know, so I know that what is in 
the biography is as close to fact as yeah. possible. And you know, he 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 was there. He said, uh, you know, uh, he, he handed this uh, this uh, this archive of his, all, all this all this material, and and, and said, you know, right. Ro- ro- oh, shall I tell how it came about? It, it, yeah. it was really interesting. Um, we thought it was his ninetieth birthday. It turns out to be his eighty ninth. But you know, that's what's a year when you get to that age. <laughs> Um, and a group of us entertained him. Um, uh, Mike Nixon, um, former Captain Yobleton, um, and then at Rolls-Royce Heritage. Um, Phil O'Dell, uh, test pilot extraordinaire, you know, fastest man in an electric plane or whatever it is. Um, and, and just a totally good egg. To be at that dinner, you had to have either been a display pilot or a test pilot. Now, for... Mike Nixon and, and me, that, that was fine. We were both display pilots. He displayed the Sea King. I displayed um, the uh, the Beaver and the Ant and the Oster um, in the Army Air Corps. Um, so that was fine. Um, all the others were test pilots. Um, and it was, it was brilliant. Um, Tim, you would have loved it um, to have been there because um, it was in the In-N-Out Club in, Nelson, in the Nelson Room. And, of course, Nelson was the great hero of Eric Brown. The reason he joined the Navy was because when he was at school, he was given a prize, and the prize was the life of Nelson. Uh, so all this stuff about him having been in the Royal Air Force, Royal Air Force Volunteer Reserve, etc., is all What's the term we can use on the podcast? Ball, Ball um, dash, okay. And um, he, um, uh, the good burghers of Edinburgh, of course, have raised a statue to him because he learned to fly at the University of Scotland in, in Edinburgh. No, he didn't. It wasn't formed until 1941. And he got his pilot's license in 1938. His, uh, uh, he learned to fly at the Maidstone School of Flying in Westmoreland. So, you know, there's a huge amount uh, you know, it's uh, it's. Um, I think there's a huge amount of stuff um, out there that you you have to go actually know. You know, for example, so, he wasn't born in Scotland. Just a mere a mere detail <laughs> of his life. No, and it took. So he he when he handed the, the over and oh, said, "Sorry, no, I didn't yeah. finish that story." I no. went down one of my famous rabbit holes. Um, so the conversation was really buzzing, and suddenly the conversation sort of dipped down. I was actually sitting next to him, and the conversation dipped down. And um, he said, of course, dear boy, the second time I saw Hitler, and Philip across <laughs> the other side of the table went, hang on a minute, we haven't heard about the first time yet. Um, so that started a whole, a whole bunch of things. And Phil at the end said, you know, Beef, you have got to. You've got to write his biography. You've got to put all this down because Wings on My Sleeve is so thin. Um, and I thought, yeah, do you know, it's a really good idea. Wings on My Sleeve, few anecdotes, couple more pictures, job done. Six months, famous person. Um, six years later. Um, and uh, I rang Eric the next day and said, you know, the, the team think that I ought to write your biography. And he said, so do I, dear boy, so do I. You can have all my papers, every single thing I've got. I'm really happy. As long as you don't do anything until I've passed. Now, did that did that make your heart go? What, what uh, did were you, were you? Was there trepidation there when you heard that? You thought, oh, okay. It wasn't what, so much what? trepidation; it was excitement. I mean, you yeah. know, I write, I write biographies. You know, it's oh, there's something here that we don't. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm I'm old school, so I'm not going. I'm going to do exactly what he asks. I'm yeah. not going to do anything until. Um, I have had that opportunity to take all his papers, and until, as he asked me, um, until he's uh, till he's passed. And was it was it the sheer amount of material that was taking six years to write, or was it these this uh, the, the discrepancies what, and the new innovation and the new rabbit holes you kept going down? To, that, that, oh, well, to I went the down time. lots of rabbit holes. I mean, I've got so much material uh, that's really good rabbit hole stuff. Um, uh, but COVID didn't help. Um, uh, so my publisher, Penguin Random House, had uh, you know had its problems like everybody else um, during COVID. But it, it, as any good biographer, you start off and you, you, you sort of get a piece of paper and you, and you go um, date uh, what we think happened, evidence to support that. So I was doing that, and the 
within about three weeks of his death, the Navy had provided me with his his S-206, his confidential reports. And I opened up really excited. Um, And the first thing it says is, born 1920 London. And I go, interesting, that. And then passport, born 1920 London. Hang on. He always said 1919 and Leith. Um, And so I call his son. And I say, Glenn, what is all this? And he said, I don't know. I'll, I'll, let, I'll find the birth certificate. Actually, it's not a birth certificate, Paul. It's a certified copy. And it seems to have a large number of coffee stains on it. Um, so he scanned it, sent it down to me. And um, this is all in the book. So uh, yeah. we, are, we, are, we are being a bit of a spoiler here. But he sent, uh, he sent it down to me. I had a look at it. And I thought, oh, yeah, all the dates and names have got coffee stains. Isn't that amazing? Um, so I called Scotland, found the um, the chief registrar of Scotland, a lovely lady in Alawa, and I said to her, um, would you be kind enough to just look at this birth certificate uh, copy and just tell me if there are any discrepancies? And she said, well, whose is it? And I said, well, it, it's Eric Brown, Captain Eric Winkle Brown. And she went, oh, Winkle Brown. I'm sorry for Scots, my appalling accent. Um, and to her... Um, Oh, he's you know, he's he's just been he was awarded Scott of the twentieth century, you know, and all these things. <laughs> he's a real lad. Oh, we all love him up here. Um, so up it went. And about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes later, um, if I'm sitting in the desk I'm sitting at here, telephone went and this lovely lady said, um, so far we found twenty-five forgeries and discrepancies in it. The team are continuing to look. Um, it's an English birth certificate. It's very clear from the addresses. Um, there is no Church Street in Leith. Uh, there is in Hackney, and it's signed by the Hackney Registrar. So, boys and girls, Winkle Brown is a Cockney by birth, Scots by adoption. Wow. So do you think that was the biggest discovery of the book? And, and yeah, it just, that was uh, the big one. Yeah. That, that set everything else off, Tim. After that, after that I, I put wings on my sleeve away. <laughs> and I started from from scratch and went through everything using the S two hundred six, the Navy records as as the basis for that. I found uh, lots of things that weren't in um, uh, weren't in wings, um, uh, lots of detail um, that 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 wasn't there. Um, and you know, hen- hence why this is what about four. I'm just seeing if there's a copy of wings behind me. I don't think there is. So so we. we- we're going to try and avoid uh, try and avoid uh, uh, spoilers as well. But I mean, I know yeah. I, I I've read well, just a big one. But I yeah, mean, well, you need to read the detail because the details <laughs> fab as to how I really found out and got confirmation. But um, there's all but there's all the stuff as well about you know he he may have flown in the Spanish Civil War, uh, and we don't really know even even so on really which side it was. That's a good one, Tim. Um, that didn't really come about until two months before his death. Um, and in fact, three sources for that, one of which is me, um, in conversation. And then I get hold of his logbooks and I find at the back, um, uh, because his logbook at the time was lost, because um, in 1941, of course, he was sunk in HRS Um He had the choice of, of saving um, uh, a silk negligee for, um, for his then uh, fiancé, Lynn. Um, or uh, his logbook, and he went for the negligee, which had probably saved his life because he stuffed it down in front of his flying uh, uh, flying jacket and probably acted as extra. This is November 1941. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty nippy. Um, and it was fab because um, in the back of the book here is, is this just a whole bunch of really interesting notes, you know, um, engagement BF 109 um, over Barcelona. Uh, engagement two Fiat. Um, uh, I'm going to say BR 52s or 51s. So I'll, I'll be corrected. But the twin-engine um, aircraft, the twin-engine Italian bombers that were supplied um, to Franco's side. Um, and of course, why he got there. I'm not going to do a spoiler for that because that's really fabulous. <laughs> Um, and it's all to do with the man in the pub in Glasgow. Like every good thing is a man in the pub in Glasgow. Is that is that is that part of his life though missing? Is there is there like a, a, a oh, yeah. year that's not the only where, one where we don't know what he's up to? 
No, there are there are a couple of, of them. It's pretty well documented, you know, passports and stuff. Um, from 1935, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy that school. I've got a diary from school. Um, I can more or less trace him every day what he did in, in one year because he was a really good note taker. Um, yeah. I, you know, I can tell you the scores of, uh, of, of everything. Um, and um, what he played, he basically played everything. He's a very fit young man, very bright young man, um, scholarship to... Uh, the Royal High School in Edinburgh, which um, you know, is the best, or at the time was the best selected school in Scotland. Um, uh, you know, sorry, Tony Blair, but Fates College has nothing on Royal High School. Um, and then um, scholarship to Edinburgh University. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, you, you get into the war and there's so much in Wings on My Sleeve that all of that period up until he's about 20 um, in Wings on My Sleeve is smoke and mirrors. <laughs> and then, you, then you get into the really good stuff of, of test flying. I think one of the, the lovely things I found out about the test flying was that the reason he got into test flying was his captain in Audacity, who was uh, or on Audacity, I shouldn't say, was a guy called McKendrick. Um, and he'd been a flycatcher pilot. Do you remember the flycatchers were the little fighters that went out of that door on Courageous and Furious and popped out of the the lower the lower flight deck? Um, so that that took some flying um, to do that. And he saw an Eric, um, particularly when Eric uh, had been sh- badly shot up and landed on the carrier with some precision. Yeah, but this man is too good to waste on operations. He'll be dead. And in fact. If you look at Eric's flying course, I mean, at least 60% were dead by 1942. You know, well, naval aviation is was really rough then. I mean, Bomber Command, yep, certainly, you know, huge losses. Actually, naval, not so many, but in proportion, many more naval aviators died in the Second World War than, than, than in proportion to Bomber Command. I, I, um, I, and then, sorry, I was just going just to finish by saying that the, um, uh, the, the, the interesting thing about all of this um, is that Eric was a natural. McKendrick saw this and said, "Get him test flying." Yeah, get him test flying because he's a he is a born natural um, test pilot. And of course, in those days, you would be a second tour fighter pilot or bomber pilot, whatever, selected um, by the Royal Air Force or the Royal Navy on on your aptitude. And then sent to Marshram Heath, or which then moved to Farnborough, of course. Um, but with Eric, it was straight in. You know, this guy's yeah. too good. Um, so just, and he was. So just just to rewind a little bit uh, to, to the, the pre-war stuff. I mean, uh, mm. again, one of the other questions that leaps out is, uh, uh, you know, young, very bright student. He's good with languages. Uh, he, he loves flying. Uh, how how did he end up in his in his father, not a pilot, a balloon technician who who ran a sweet shop? Um, ended up sort of socialising and partying with senior Nazis and the cream of the German test pilot. Yeah, it's really it. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... You How know, did you go from, from that? Uh, well, you know, um, we Bobby Brown, who who ran the sweetie shop at 20 Livington, Livingston Street, uh, Gala Shields. Um, yeah, um, you have to say what was his polit- his politics. And that part, the, uh, the the borders, particularly that that area around Galshields, Melrose, um, St Boswells, and whatever, was a hotbed of something called the uh, Anglo-German Fellowship, which wasn't quite Mosley's black shirts, but was pretty close. Uh, that must be the connection. But can I find any documentation on that? None at all. I know that Bobby, we Bobby Brown, his his father. Sold the sweetie shop and made some money. Uh, that may be while they travelled, but certainly uh, every opportunity. Um, Robert uh, Brown and and Eric Brown uh, read aviation magazines, and of course, all the aviation stuff was Germany. Yeah, it was just Messerschmitt, Juncker, um, uh, Heinkel, etc., Dornier. You know, it it was the happening place. Yeah. Um, and certainly from 35 onwards, from the, the public uh, announcement of the Luftwaffe. 
and that that's where the, the money from the the sweet shop where he may, may have got for the car for his for his yeah. MG. Yeah, yeah he got a lovely car. Now, did, yeah. did so? How did that? Could that car have been funded from from the Spanish Civil War? Um, so he was being offered fifteen hundred US dollars a day to fly in the Spanish Civil War. That's a right. lot of money. That's a lot of money in those days. Um, you know, that's 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 huge. Um, so, you know, maybe that that funded it. It's a rather nice car. Picture in the picture in the book. Um, in fact, several pictures in the book, I think, um, of it. Um, a very rare car, fifty nine, fifty seven, fifty nine, actually ever built. This is a a real car, and there's some great pictures of Eric, you know, lad around town. I mean, he he obviously <laughs> bags and uh, uh, tennis shoes, and he always liked um, shirts with with big collars that would go over uh, his jacket and uh, and whatever. He's a bit of a dresser. When I've done presentations and shown the pictures, I suppose the best one is of his pilot's license. Uh, or his aviator certificate, as it's called, Royal Aero Club a- aviator certificate. Um, a lot of the women. I did a presentation in Ringwood a couple of weeks ago, and some of the uh, the ladies there went, "Oh, I'd like to have met him when I was younger." So you know, a bit of a looker. I didn't, yeah. I didn't say he was only five foot five. You know, <laughs> technically so- five foot six. So in in his in the the sort of like the the uh, use of said smoke and mirrors in uh, in in wings on my sleeve and the the kind of uh, altering of uh, birth dates I think to to play rugby wasn't it to I think that was the, the maybe the 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 reason behind that uh, um, he wanted to play for Scotland yeah um, and in the youth um, international against Ireland <laughs> and. Um, you had to have been Scots, and you had to have been a certain age. And if he'd been born in nineteen nineteen, you'd been one year too old. Did it, did those those embellishments of his personal life and uh, make, make you you question his professional judgment, or, not, or you know how, how many people would know the start procedure for a measurement one six three? You know if you you know the one six three. Oh yeah, it was all that stuff. Oh, this, yeah, we can get into that stuff. But, but the, <laughs> the general point there, Tim, I think is. Um, Nothing I found in the book diminishes Eric. In no. fact, I think it increases him. Um, you know, so you go from a foundling, which is what he was, to being the most famous pilot. A guy when he dies has obits on eight American newspapers front pages. Now, you know, Daily Telegraph, page fourteen or or something, but you know, so the uh, Chicago Tribune and things like that, big, big American papers, you know, recognized him. Yeah, yeah. As a his substantial contribution to U.S. naval aviation. You know, we had all the ideas; they had all the money in the 1950s. And you know, the, the reason America's got supercarriers is really because of the cooperation that went on between Britain and America. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that that, that, that stands out, uh, and, and again, it's a, it's a book about uh, it's a book about people, uh, Eric, uh, Eric's character. But uh, one thing that kind of jumps out on the one hand, he's He's super prepared. He's this he's an excellent note taker, you know, test pilot extraordinaire in terms of being careful. But then there's another sort of like, um, you know, little devil on his shoulder that it makes him completely reckless at times, especially with regard to authority. I mean, you know, um, a fly pass by the. Do you mean bridges? Uh, bridges, uh, bridges uh, prime ministers, flight. Um, you know, he he is the he is the sort of uh, you know Pete Maverick Mitchell. Pilot. Yeah, it's Pete Maverick Mitchell of don't whatever you do, don't don't buzz the tower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Buzz the tower. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maverick, the circuit is is full or or whatever yes. the thing yeah, is. Yeah. Top Gun. Yeah, I mean, I think actually, I mean, he enjoyed Top Gun, um, <laughs> uh, the movie. I mean, um, he was fairly skeptical of most movies because he'd been there. You <laughs> know, he'd yeah. seen, he'd seen so many things. If you think about it, in the twentieth century, you know, he'd seen. So much of the 20th century, all the key aviation events. I mean, he saw the flight of the first British jet purely by accident. Yeah, and this is him. You know, he happened to be in the right place at the right time. He met Werner Mulders. Um, he met Ernst Dudek. Uh, Hannah Reich, of course, figures. I have a whole chapter on on the Eric uh, Hannah Reich thing, and and you know, it, it's it's fascinating. Um, uh, did I get to the bottom of all these things? No. 
but then that's part of of the charm of a biography is you know you get you get a bit of my view on it um and and unlike doing a biography of say queen elizabeth the first um you know i knew him yeah um, and i knew i knew where the skeletons were buried by the time i had finished reading his his um his s206 yeah his neighbor report um so do, do yeah. you do you think it, it uh, you know, he is very much a Marmite character who, who mm. people either loved or hated. Uh, and uh, and there doesn't seem to be any, any, any in between about people who are ambivalent about him. Um, do you think it depended whether he was in your chain of command or, or a, you know, a rival for, for, uh, for flying things? You oh, know? I, I, th- I think, I, think I, I would have hated to have been, you know, because I served in the military, I would have hated to have had him as a station commander at, at Lossiemouth. Um, I can't think of anyone I've met and interviewed from Lossy Mouth. People still come up to me and say I was a first tour buccaneer pilot at Lossy Mouth on the training squadron when uh, Captain Brown was the, the, the was the commander, you know, was the captain rather. Um, but he had a really good um, a really good uh, commander. A. He had Ted Anson who uh, commanded Art Royal. You may remember the series Art Royal. Yeah, the captain in that. Um, died sadly about 10 years ago now i think um but uh, he had a good there were a good group of people around him um some some real fleet air arm characters who who sort of steered him in that regard but the proof of how he was viewed from his commander lossy mouth is the fact he didn't make rear admiral and he which was it didn't have commodore in those days didn't make rear admiral um and he didn't get another job because his one of the things about the two or six is you get all of the comments from all the senior officers, right? And um, it's you know it's not a team player um, is the main is the main thing. Well, and we shouldn't expect that. After all, you, you know he was a test pilot. The test pilots are not team players because they, they survive by being their own man in the air. Yeah. So I can fully understand that. Did you know that in the late 1940s, during atomic weapons testing in the Pacific, the USA used Boeing B-17 flying fortresses as unmanned radio-controlled drones? Did you also know that in 1927, two RAF officers in a Hawker Horsley set a new distance record, flying from Britain to the Persian Gulf, only for it to be eclipsed just hours later by Charles Lindbergh's Solo Atlantic crossing, which was a mere 180 miles longer? If your answers to the above are yes, you're probably a regular reader of The Aviation Historian, the quarterly journal, print and digital, that explores the less well-trodden paths of flying history. If your answers are no, visit theaviationhistorian.com and see what you're missing. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran from Plane Crazy Down Under. And you're listening to Extended. So you mentioned there being the right place at the right time. I mean, uh, gosh, um, talk about be, being lucky. But do you think that the, the secrets to Eric's incredible life and, and, and what he, uh, you know, persistent skill? I mean, when, when you when you read about him and he, he he's... Uh, do you think it's the cheekiness or sheer force of character in convincing people to to let him fly unique and rare aircraft? Obviously, that that was his job, but there seems to be sort of a, a lot of times where you know he, he just kind of rocks up an airfield. There's an aircraft sitting on the pan that that he hasn't flown, <laughs> and um, somehow <laughs> he gets the keys to it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he went off and flew Soviet types. Yes, yeah, in uh, in the in the Soviet occupation zone, uh, with uh, armed with cigarettes, um, and um, he and actually flew Germans at uh, times. So I think the Fokwolf one eight nine he flew because the Soviets had got one. But I love some of the things he did. You know, the bartering he did, the illegal work things he did, unauthorized, unauthorized. And but when you first read it, you go through his two or six. I mean, the first page is on discipline. You know. Yeah. Was grounded for um, uh, for unauthorized aerobatics. Was reprimanded for taking and flying away an aeroplane without authorization. Uh, you know, it, it, the list goes on. You know, did, did cause the 
the discomfort of their lordships because of this or that. Um, uh, he was his own man. And of course, yeah. you know, there, there, there is a, a pile of notes that I've got, which are all the unauthorized flights, the ones that aren't in the love book. Um, and the classic for that, you've already mentioned 163, um, is the rocket plane. Yeah. You know, um, absolutely. Uh, did he fly the rocket plane under power? Yep. I'm quite that, that was that. That was bad. That was banned because it was so dangerous that the 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 yeah. British authorities said he had a yeah. written order not to fly. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Or the Chesapeake uh, Bay. Or the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Let's go under it. He says. Uh, he doesn't get caught, but the guy behind him does. Al Shepard, who became the first American in space. You know, um, <laughs> his great oh, but- mate. It's great yeah. doing naughty things. Yeah. So the the other ones are the, are the other thing that that, that uh, in terms of his uh, of test flying are, are probably the, the the big what ifs uh, that that mm-hmm. you know he didn't get to fly like so for example you know um, Miles M fifty two X fifteen were there any ones he mentioned to you that, that was yeah SOS one so um, in the, in the back of the book oh, of course. In the back of the book, I, I, I've sort of got some uh, appendices. You know, his top ten airplanes, um, which, which interestingly, includes the Air Cobra, um, although I've got it as a special mention. Um, and the ones he didn't particularly like, uh, as well, the least favourite airplanes, um, the General Aircraft Gal Fifty Six, which looks like a complete Horlicks from here anyway. Um, the Havilands swallow. But the two that got away was the F, F, uh, X-15, um, which he could have flown and been on the test program at NASA if he'd changed nationality and become an American. Ooh. But he wouldn't. He said, you know, I'm, I'm just not doing that. Right, there, were, there were lots of people who have in the 50s and 60s become Americans you know, yeah. the, when the, the brain drain was on. And the other was the SR-71. I, I, I just... I think with SR-71, he was probably just a bit out of time with it. Um, the, the big question, Tim, that, that, that I've tried to answer in the book, and I'm not sure how successful I've been, is why didn't he stay top um, uh, uh, test flying? He could have left Farber in, in 49, having got, what, five years really good experience as a test pilot and yeah. gone to a commercial company. Yeah. But then... You know, I'm a bit on Lynn's side. I talked to his wife about this in the in the 80s, and she said she really didn't want her husband to end up in a hole in the ground. You know, over 500 test pilots and flight test engineers in Britain alone well. died in the in the 20 years after the Second World War. And this is a memorial to them at Farnborough at the uh, at the fast um, uh, the um, the Farnborough uh, Aerosciences Trust. Um, and she also wanted to become Lady Brown. So she wanted him to be an admiral. You know, um, Eric wasn't quite, didn't particularly want to have a knighthood. He didn't see that was necessary. He got lots of medals. He wasn't really, he's the most decorated fleet air on pilot. You know, he didn't really, he didn't really care. I mean, the king, you know, King George VI um, is, uh, uh, well, we know that he said, um, what, you again? <laughs> Um, did he ever? Did he ever do a? Uh, uh, it must be new, but, but did he ever do like a uh, like a, a sea tour where they you know, they, they, they they put a naval officer on like a destroyer or a minesweeper or something? Yeah, there? yeah he did. Um, um, in uh, based in Londonderry, actually, um, uh, as um, learning to be an officer of the day and second officer of the watch and all that. Yeah. Hated it. Hated it. And then he got um, he got to be hangered officer on HMS Illustrious, which was no flying, except he decided, as he was the expert on flying helicopters, he'd fly the SAR helicopter. Um, <laughs> as well. So this is, this is Eric Kira. I, I, and there's all sorts of stuff at Broadie when he was, when he was at Broadie um, um, and uh, as Commander Air, um, chasing UFOs, um, open mind about UFOs. Wow, okay. Um, you know, um, this actually was one of the things I like about Eric. Um, it's all through his life. He's, he's got an open mind on something. You know, Germans? Yeah, Germans are nice enough people. Uh, dodgy leaders, you know, but the people are okay. Language is okay. Strangely enough, he likes the food, which, which is probably not really my cup of tea, but, um, you know, who knows? 
you asked about the uh, the M52 earlier, Tim. Um, yeah. Um, he had a real bee in his bonnet. He wrote a book about it, um, about the 52. Um, one of the things you have to do as a biographer is you have to be completely and totally unbiased. So you have to read the available primary sources. So I didn't read his book uh, again. I'd read it when it first came out, but I didn't read it again until I'd gone through the primary sources. Uh, and they are indiscrepancies. There are discrepancies with the um, with his account. Should we put it that way? Do you think? Do you think this was also maybe the the, the beginning of his feud with Chuck Yeager? Oh, certainly the feud with Yeager, but the, that was. That was that came after when uh, when they had to fly together at um, at Edwards, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but he was on Neil, you know, Neil Armstrong, uh, Al Shepard, all the Navy um, yeah. TPs, uh, and most of the Air Force TPs disliked uh, Chuck Yeager. I was very disappointed when when Eric died um, because on Twitter uh, Chuck Yeager said, "Eric Brown, who's he?" Yeah. And I just thought. That's a bit small-minded from someone yeah. who happened to be in the right place at the right time and got to fly beat the sound barrier. You know, and there may have been others who did it before. There may have been a German pilot in two six two. Um, you know, Eric and Tony. Um, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. It's gone into my head. Um, at uh, at Farnborough, got to you know decimal nine eight. Um, that you know there were there were a few people that that had got. Had got there. Had had others gone through? Uh, had the the one six three gone through uh, the barrier? It, it just just depends. Yeah. Chuck gets the you know, rather like the Wright brothers get the credit for being the first aeroplane. Now, if, you know, if you're if you're a Frenchman, you know it, you you go who are the Wright brothers? Um, so it's the same. It's the same sort of thing. Um, but I, I think I, he. he his great relationship with the Americans was Neil Armstrong. Yeah. And he was always so proud that he had been invited to speak at the Smithsonian eight times and Neil seven times. So that was, that was you know, that was a big thing. And they, this correspondence between them is hilarious. Um, yeah. This, this sort of thing. Um, but the, going on. The, the other thing as well, I mean, you know, one of the, the things that sort of strikes me is, is uh, you know, you sort of say, well, why did we continue on to be a test pilot and, and maybe maybe one of the thoughts running around the back of my head was maybe they you know they ran out of interesting airplanes for him to fly you know after you've after you've gone after you've gone at all the german stuff you know jet planes rocket planes you know what else is there to to excite you oh, but, i think i think he would have liked to have done he would have liked to have done p1127 he would have liked to have done uh harrier he would have liked to have um sorted out the foibles in the phantom for the small decks i mean we put phantoms and Buccaneers onto Art Royal and Eagle. Um, uh, I think Victorious maybe even had Buccaneers. I mean, they were all carriers, were all too small for them. Yeah, really. I mean, bloody dangerous. Um, even the Scimitar. You know, they had Scimitars landing on Centaur, a light flight, a light fleet. I mean, you know, that would be like well, it's about the same tonnage, I think, as illustrious and um, and invincible. Yeah. Um, so, I think. The problem was uh, it, his, his confidential reports show this. You know, Eric did not suffer fools. Yeah. And so, if somebody said, "Well, do you know, I don't think we need to do that," or that will work, he would go, "No, it won't." And here's the reason why. But he he was, he, he was loved in Whitehall. But he was. He, he, but you know, he's got this uh, this sort of uh, you know not suffering fools. But yet, he he made a brilliant uh, diplomat. In, in West Germany, in, in, oh, in Be- didn't he just? Didn't he just? Bill, you know, so this this is the other thing that, that is, is another contradiction. Yeah, twice yeah. in fact. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and, and you know, helping rebuild West Germany's naval air arm. You know, mending bridges. Uh, and, and that that wasn't a flying role. Uh, it was, but it was it was all about you know getting on it with people. About, it was all about um, you know he firmly believed. Needed to be back in the um, in the Western fold as yeah. soon as possible because he was really concerned um, about the Soviet Union, um, you know. And he, did, of course, he didn't like the Soviet Union. He didn't like the Third Reich either. So, you know, um, it's uh, one of his comments was the European Union is very fast becoming the Fourth Reich. 
interview. So uh, not one that I don't think I put that in the book on the grounds that I do want it to sell in Germany. But um, it's Eric was quite forthright. forthright. Um, He was certainly a a unionist. He did not want Scotland to leave the union. Interestingly, and I say this in hoping that some Scots hear me on this, the only place I have not been asked to speak about Winkle, I've done 35 talks since the 8th of June about Winkle, is Scotland. Uh, except that today I had an email from the new club in Edinburgh um, asking me if I'd come and talk in July. But uh, I expected Scottish museums and, you know, I don't know. Because you, it's because you've revealed his, he was a cockney. Well, I probably, got, he, well do, you think, do you think they got that angry with me? Do you think they said that bloody beaver? Yeah. yeah. He's, um, so, um, yeah. So we've we've you know uh, foundling, fighter pilot, test pilot, Martinet, 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 completely. Tim reinvents himself. Yes, as a national treasure. So. He does, you know, there's a little in Shoreham in Sussex, a little aviation museum. He's, he was the patron. The yeah. Bishop's Wartham Aviation Group down in Hampshire, mainly all former air traffic controllers, go there at your peril if you're a pilot. Um, <laughs> uh, he, was, he was their president, their patron. In fact, I've taken over as being uh, the patron um, in, in his shoes, which is a huge honour, but quite daunting. But it does mean I can go and talk about Eric once a year to a group of people who knew him. So that's, that's lovely. I think I'm doing, um, I've done German jets. I think I'm doing chief naval test pilot this time. All the, all the stuff. There's just so much stuff. I could have written three books, four books. But, he's, but he's, he's, he also did helicopter offshore safety. I mean, I, I, again, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of aware of that, oh, you know, British yeah. helicopter. British helicopter advisory board. I mean, yes, yeah. he is the man who piloted through the rules and regulations that made flying to oil rigs safer. Um, Amazing. You know, with, without without him, um, uh, I don't think there would. I think there would have been a lot of earlier earlier crashes and a lot more earlier crashes. But you know, pioneered things that because oil oil exploration in the seventies, yes, left in the navy in nineteen seventy. You know, starting oil exploration. If you look at all of that, um, yeah. it's all going to be helicopters. And if it's going to be helicopters, well, you know, it's going to be. Um, um, it's going to be twenty four seven basically because even you know crew changing and all of this stuff and they didn't have accommodation rigs in those days and the other thing of course is is Casivac you know you, if somebody yeah. gets hurt on an oil rig it's not a very benign place um, they need to be uh, they need to be so helicopters the only way to do that um, he was a firm believer in helicopters and of course he used to run the the um, helicopter competitions for the Helicopter Club of Great Britain, and that was hilarious. I, I, used those. Um, I wasn't good enough to fly um, in them, uh, but um, used to go and, and watch you know, these ridiculous things where you carry a, a bucket of water under slung from the helicopter and have to, you know, it gets weighed when you take off and weighed when yeah, you yeah. land, and you have to see how much water you lost. Um, but Bal- balancing an egg on struts and things like that is a, yes. is a you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all great fun. But he, you know, he loved all of that. Um, he was a great believer in international competition um, because he thought the Americans and in, in those days it was the Poles, the Soviets, the Americans, the Germans, um, uh, and the French and us uh, were the great pioneers of of all this helicopter stuff. And you know, he was he was really good at that. Although. In the end, I think it's in the book, um, a small problem arose there, personality-wise, you know. So, so I mean, if you were to, I mean, you know, again, leaps out of the, the book, you know, his massive contribution to aviation, World War Two, enemy aircraft testing, post-war naval aviation, helicopter safety, and, and, and you know, national treasure. National treasure and inspiring the next generation, you know. It's, yeah, it's amazing how people are still interested in him. But where, where do you think, where do you think that's most important? Where do you think he had most impact? As well, well continues. His biggest he had most impact. Yeah, his biggest achievement. That's fine. I think um, yeah. if you go to Farnborough today, um, it's no longer um, uh, a flight test centre, but they're fast have got a lot of the stuff there. 
Uh, but if you go to Boscombe Down, the Empire Test Pilot School um, at Boscombe Down, it's now called uh, EPTS because you can't mention the word empire, of course. Um, you go to EPTS, they have uh, they have got they use his 12, 12 points of how to be a, um, a test pilot. You know, when you take an airplane up, what do you need to know? And I I can remember when I first started flying. Um, uh helis um you know he was all over this okay well you need to do this you do that and two yeah two means of escape and you have to always look at this and do you know you can do if if you you went underwater in the heli if it crashed went underwater do you know how to get out and and that was him you know he survived 23 accidents of various sorts uh including being inverted in a martlet uh in 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 uh in lot loman i think it was um or maybe in the fifth fourth um, and, um, you know, all these things. Number one, do not panic. <laughs> never panic. And that was Eric. I never yeah. saw Eric in any any other mode than straight stoic. Cool as a cucumber. And if he was active today uh, mm-hmm. and he was he was still in the prime of life, what, 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 what do you think he would enjoy testing? Which aerospace developments would you think he'd be most invited, uh, excited about? I think he'd get excited about electric airplanes and um, the potential for for um, uh, you know for, for smaller batteries. You know, I, I, I note with with huge enthusiasm that lithium ion may well be out, and we might be looking at aluminium air as a as a much better, cheaper, doesn't catch fire, um, you know, um, uh, solution. I think he would have loved that. I think he would have, and, and particularly Polydel's, um, Philodel's. Uh, record-breaking work um, with an electric airplane what Rolls-Royce were doing. I think he would have been really interested in that. He also would have been interested in keeping historic airplanes flying. Yeah. And because he saw a value in that um, as well. So he would have been interested in, you know, Arco at Duxford or Biggin Hill Heritage Hangar, um, uh, Spitfire.com down at, uh, down at Goodwood, you know, the former Boltby uh, lot. I think he would be interested in that. But in terms of new things coming along, I think he'd be deeply disappointed there wasn't a neuroplane type every four months. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I, 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 when I was doing research for the book, I thought I'd get out my Farnborough catalogues. I first went to Farnborough in 61, um, and I've got 61, you know, 62, and, and each one is different. And, you know, and, in, and it was only yeah. British aircraft then. Society yes. of British aircraft uh, constructors or whatever it's called, um, they, they, you know, there were 15 air, new aircraft every year. Um, yeah. And he would have loved that. Uh, no, I think he had his time. He had the right time. Um, yeah. I, I think um, an Eric Brown today uh, would have been deeply dissatisfied. <laughs> he wouldn't have wanted to go into space. No. Because that was his well, whole thing with, with um, Neil Armstrong. You know, Neil Armstrong went to the moon. Um, a computer flew him to the moon. He so he, he was not... He was not he was, he was not interested in spaceflight and being an astronaut. He just thought it was it was it was too, too many automated. Computers. Too many computers. Wow. And in those days, too many computers. Imagine what you think today. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, what about uh, what about favorite personal memories of Eric? I mean, uh, you and I uh, lucky enough to know him. You obviously much more than I. But I was I was lucky enough to meet him at the Royal Aeronautical Society, starting there. And um, you know, he couldn't be more courteous, accommodating, friendly, humble. Uh, to a young spotty aviation journalist uh, uh, giving me the benefit of the doubt when I was asking stupid questions, you know, um, completely. The national treasure bit, this is, Tim. Yeah. Absolutely encapsulated that. I mean, you know, he had gamers from America would write to him long letters about, I'm doing a, a, you know, a a video game, um, 262s versus, you know, uh, I don't know, Sabres or something, you know, and, 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 uh, or, or whatever it was, they were all stereotypes, <laughs> you know. No chance of them ever, ever, ever meeting. And he will at least sit down and write three or four pages to them, and tell them why it wouldn't happen, <laughs> or, like, or what would, what would, what would, what would be really good. But he answered every letter. And his, he had a, um, he had a, a young admirer, um, uh, Eakin, um, who um, is is still around, um, and in fact sent me this Christmas card. And you can see that uh, it's got it's got um, it's got Eric there as Father Christmas. It's got a beaver, hence my name, and because I fly float planes, 
Um, and it's uh, Eakin is worried. Um, Eakin Hardy is his name, um, and he was a great, great supporter of Eric. And Eric was a great supporter of his. You know, yeah. Eric didn't mind. Um, well, I suppose Eakin was about 12, 11 or twelve, coming up to him saying, "I want to be a test pilot. How do I do it, Captain Brown?" Um, and he said, "Maths, physics, and chemistry. Uh, keep fit. You know, um, and and write to me, dear boy, and tell me how you're doing." Yeah, you know, I mean, he just had time lovely. for people. Yeah, he had time, really, time for people. Really, really liked people, and he liked this new generation. I'm, I think it probably helped that he came with Scots, but you know, um, it's uh, uh, it is interesting that, um, uh, that that he did. He, as you said earlier, he wanted to further aviation. He want an aviation, not aerospace. Really important difference. Um, what? This is about you know, this isn't about just manufacture. Um, uh, or about space, or about cyber, or, or wiggly amps, or whatever. This is about aviation. It's about the act of flying. Uh, favorite which, memory, then. Say again. Uh, favorite memory. Well, well, what's your Eric? Fa- favorite yeah. memory. There are lots of them. Um, oh gosh, I, I suppose probably um, that. Uh, you know, he he had adopted a Churchill expression when two gentlemen meet in the afternoon, a bottle of champagne should be opened. <laughs> That's probably one of them. He had lots of champagne on hand. Um and I think the other the other was this 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 wonderful ability, and I could remember my friend Alfie Southwell and I going to see him to talk about the Horton flying wing. One that escaped him. He uh, the Americans nabbed it before he was able to. Um and uh, and Eric, we were discussing um, the, you know, the did they have problems with um, the full flying um, uh, uh, ailerons, elevators, you know, the surface control surfaces, and all, all of this stuff. And Eric said, I don't know. Shall we ring Frau Horton and ask her? <laughs> I think that's probably it. Hello, <laughs> you know, good night, you know, and and I should do. As you do, you know. Yes, you you go right to the source because she was um, uh, she married the Hort, one of the Horton brothers, um, and by this time they were both about the same age in their nineties. Um, but she was a, a qualified aerodynamicist. She was a, a, a PhD aerodynamicist, um, and and it was rather lovely actually because I kept up the relationship. And she died in twenty sixteen, and the last letter on her desk was a letter she was writing to me about Eric. So I thought that was rather, rather nice. Her daughter called me and said, "You, you want to know this? Um, you know, her, she was so fond of Eric. So that was a really nice." So that's that's uh, brilliant. Um, so the other thing that, that jumped out uh, at reading 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 Winkle, uh, your book was um, why isn't there a blockbuster aviation film about this? I mean, you know, uh, this this is this is prime Hollywood stuff. You know, it's Indiana Jones of aeroplanes, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, yeah. Quote Kirsty. Um, on uh, on Desert Island Disc, he makes James Bond look a bit of a slacker, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, why isn't there Tom Cruise? If you're listening. Um, yes. Um, or or whomsoever, um, you know, Christopher Nolan, um, you know, uh, it, and, and yes, it's all here. <laughs> you yeah. know, when you work. <laughs> so you 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 said that you've got enough for uh, you've got a three books. Are there other? Is there a volume two? Uh, the other uh, I don't think so. I think um, I think that would be straight. It would be like you know, um, six three three squadron fed into Mosquito Squadron as a movie, and it wasn't half as good as three. <laughs> so, uh, although and, you know, we might look at the pictures. Uh, there yeah. are there are lots and lots of pictures, um, drawings and stuff. Um, you know, what could we do? A hundred a hundred pieces of memorabilia linked to eric you know i mean you name it there, there are lots is it, is of things out there. but i've moved on actually i'm 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 i've got another project underway equally interesting character with an interesting in, equally interesting past and a whole bunch of uh what's the word i'm looking for uh i think probably bollocks is the good one uh, written about him um uh, and he's a far more interesting character than the one or two small biographies written about him. I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, Tim, but I will tell you in due course. Yeah. But it, it's, is it an aviation persona? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right okay. In the middle of aviation. 
right, in of, <laughs> right in the middle of Spitfires. Totally. Fantastic. Um, so the other one, I mean, the other question I'd, I'd have is, is some of the some of the embellishments or the uh, the, the smoke and mirrors in Eric's life seem to be around fitting in and class. Uh, and and uh, my my question is is do you think times have, have we, we you know we we assume times have have, have changed about that? But uh, we had uh, we had Commander Nathan Gray, who is an FAA test pilot, uh, Harrier F thirty five on the on extended uh, 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 back uh, last year. And one of the interesting things was uh, he he's from Stoke on Trent uh, originally uh, up near. Where I I come from, and uh, oh, Mitchell's territory, then yeah, yeah, Mitchell's Mitchell's territory, and uh, he'd had, uh, you know, he he'd sort of like, uh, you know, this would be nineteen nineties, you know, he he'd sort of faced similar sort of prejudices uh, prejudices maybe uh, about uh, yeah, his teacher his teacher so first off his teacher saying no one from you know what do you want to be and he said a pilot his teacher at his school saying no one from from here has ever been a pilot so that's that's one strike and then the other thing about uh, not quite fitting in with the the Oxbridge kind of RAF crowd and he, well, he went see, to the you see the Royal Air Force have been to Oxbridge Wigston yeah, well, he oh, went sorry. to and uh, and Rich Knighton. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, the people who've been to Oxbridge. Yeah. Well, he 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 went there and and uh, he 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 seemed to think that that you know he got a warmer welcome at the uh, at the at the Navy, the FBA. Felt felt immediately at home there, and I thought, cracky, that's uh, that's really interesting. Considering well, at the time when I talked to him, I, I I was just reading Winkle. So, do you think there's any? No, I think, I, think, actually... I think Eric was what wanted to fit in, but I mean, remember he went to the navy as a naval seaman, second class. You know, that's yeah. a, that, and this these were all civilians who are being pushed through. Um, but I think that the um, it, it was later when you know when he was a commander, uh, lieutenant commander and commander, and wanting to go up the ladder, that he felt that he needed to have right round. So you know, hence you know, my dad was a um, royal flying corps fighter ace you know well no he wasn't i mean one of the wonderful things about our military is that the record keeping is superb particularly on personnel records so i've got his dad's service record as well i've got his service record um there is no there are no files on eric brown uh, or eric melrose brown or em brown or whatever at um at cranwell yeah, There's nothing there. So he never was. I've got a picture here in my study of him in RAF uniform, and that is a complete fake. I've no idea in it, uh, but there you go. In fact, and he's that's a bit young in it. I have to say, and that's pre-Photoshop. It's pre-Photoshop, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Okay. Um, so uh, you've said about you. You're working on a new book, a pretty new project. Uh, what about a paperback version of Winkle? Is that is that? Yeah, yeah it's coming Winkle? out next year. I mean, we've got to wait a year for that. Um, right. Uh, because I'm delighted to say the hardback is selling so well. Fifth, fifth reprint. You know, in in six months. And if you haven't picked it up yet, and you're listening to this, why ever not? Uh, would be my question. Um, what about the what about the critical reaction? Uh, so obviously, biography of the year, uh, and their fellow test pilots, book critics, aviation reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, ha- I've had I've had brilliant reviews. I, I, the only negative review I had on Amazon was somebody who said the paper quality wasn't good enough. Apparently, that's <laughs> what I wrote. Um, <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, I've, I've sort of got you know getting fives and and, and whatever. Um, of course, some people disagree with with me because they like to believe the the um, the wings on my sleeve version. That's entirely up to them. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know. Well, I mean, it, it it's a it's a fantastic book. I mean, I can't I can't rec- really recommend it Thank enough. Uh, and it's uh, I mean, no wonder it's five hundred plus pages because there's just so much to to, to cram in about you know. He, he's lived. He's been, lived more lives than than, than, than than you know. He's got better. more lives than than Eldia. And but the yeah. uh, the the there's also of course the the pod uh, the uh, audio book from ah, Audible, right, um, which is doing really well. And um, people tell me I, I only I only read the first the first chapter and then somebody professional um, <laughs> rest. Um, and it was really interesting recording it, Tim, because. I, I, I now know how to. I'm going to write the next book. I'm going to write the next book 
so I can speak it. Because I, 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 I started reading it and I went, this is absolute garbage. And the guy said, well, you can't change it because it's your book. And it, we had a good laugh at the, um, at the audio, uh, Audible's um, place down in Croydon. It was hilarious. Right, that wasn't uh, uh, well, that wasn't a direct quote. My, my, my first chapter was 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 it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, Paul, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure for you to to to, to have you on Thank on you. extended. Uh, thanks again for for joining us, um, and uh, best of luck with the next project you're working on. Uh, and like I say, you know, if you've not read this 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 book, if you don't know about Winkle, you know, uh, pick it up and uh, well worth a read. Um, where can we find you online, or are you are you, are you on the on the Twitter sphere, the X sphere, yeah, uh, Facebook? There at Beaver West because I couldn't get Westminster in, um, and uh, Instagram, um, um, but I don't do Facebook. Um, and the book is published by Michael Collins, which is an imprint of uh, Penguin, um, and you can get it on Amazon. Uh, but I'd rather you went to your local bookshop because we have to keep our bookshops going. Definitely, and you're also obviously on the on the lecture circuit and doing talks and, and, and things like that, so people can catch you. Not not only to talk about to find out about Winkle, but Spitfires. Yeah, and... the National Spitfire Project coming along seamlessly. Um, thank you uh, to the government for for uh, helping us with match funding and to um, all the people you would expect are supporting us at the moment. Um, it's really good. I'm I'm talking to embassies. We're going to have the roundels of all the nations, 30-plus nations that flew the Spitfire um, into the monument at the base. And um, I'm talking to each of the the uh, uh, the user, former users and saying, you know, this is how I, I see it. How do you see it? Oh, and by the way, you know, would you kindly sponsor uh, a roundel? Um, it all helps to uh, put it up. It's going to be in Southampton, for those who don't know, the National Spitfire um, uh, Memorial, and it's going to be taller than the Angel of the North. That was very important, almost as tall as, as Nelson's Column. And if you're on a cruise ship coming out of Southampton, it will be at the promenade deck level, and you'll see a 1.5 scale Spitfire Mark 5C. Um, wow. And just say thanks to Airfix because they've been helping us uh, with that. Um, but it's going to look fab. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen some of the designs for it. The uh, you know the sweeping stand. And, yeah, yeah, it. it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, we call it the brilliant. Rail because it's going up. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Okay. On that note, I will start to say uh, thanks again, for Paul, for joining us, and uh, catch everybody next time. Thank you for having Goodbye. me. Goodbye. Bye bye. legal policy and use of our material can be found on our website please do ask before using anything you hear programs produced with a creative commons license please leave us a review wherever you play your podcast it genuinely helps grow our program and broaden its reach you can also review the program and leave us feedback on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to email us, our email address is getinvolved at aviationextended.co.uk. And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. From across the globe, from the centre of aerospace, and now to you... The Royal Aeronautical Society is the world's only professional body dedicated to the entire aerospace community. Established in 1866 to further the art, science and engineering of aeronautics, the Society has remained at the forefront of developments in aerospace. Visit www.aerosociety.com Extend it! This is XTP Media.